Well, good morning and uh, welcome to week three of our series that we're calling We Are. If you've been around for the past few weeks and you know that we've just been taking some time uh, to just kind of talk a little bit about our vision, who we believe God has called us to be as a church, which is, is really important because before we can ever do what it is that God is calling us to do and go wherever it is that God is calling us to go, uh, first, we, we got to know who it is that God is calling us to be. Uh, our, we can't get this backwards. Our, our doing and our going will always flow out of our being, who we are. And, and so for that reason, Every once in a while, I think it's important for us just to kind of be reminded a little bit, this is who we are as a church, this is who we really believe that God is calling us to be, uh, and, and of course, we, we put together a little uh, statement to just kind of help us and, and just, just kind of help keep that in front of us a little bit, and uh, we're going to put it up on the screen for you, and hopefully, if again, if you've been around very long, these words have become familiar words to you. But what I want to do is I just want us to, to read this together out loud this morning. And again, we're going to do it like we did last week. We're going to, we're going to read this as kind of a, a declarative statement. Uh, this is who we are, okay? So let's, let's read this out loud together. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. We are a church where everyone belongs and can genuinely connect grow and serve Jesus and each other. This is who we are. This is who we believe that God has called us to be. Now, I, I want to point out again that uh, there are four key words that are contained within this statement that really are kind of value words for us. They help guide us. And of course, they are the words belong, connect, grow, and serve. A couple of weeks ago, we began this series and we talked about the power of belonging, how uh, it's just, it's important that we all have a place to belong. And it's just kind of been hardwired into every human being, this innate need to belong. And, and so there's great power when, when a culture uh, actually reflects the heart of God by being welcoming and, and clearly com communicates this is a place and we are a people that you can belong to. Last week, our focus was on connecting. Now, not only is, is the need to belong hardwired into us, God also, when you were created, it was hardwired into you. It's, it's been hardwired into every single person, this need to connect relationally. We were created to connect, first of all, with God, but then also with other people. This morning, we're going to shift gears a little bit. I should tell you, if you miss any of those, as always, all of our messages are archived on online. You can go to our website or Facebook page or YouTube, uh, and, and you can catch any of those past messages. We encourage you to do that. But this morning, as we shift gears a little bit, I want to focus our attention on that word grow. Grow. I'm convinced that one of the responsibilities that God has given to us as a church is that we are to come alongside of people and help them grow spiritually. 
Paul talks about the importance of spiritual growth in his letter uh, to the Colossians. In fact, I want you to look at the last two verses of Colossians chapter 1. These, I believe, are Paul's words not only to them but to us as a church. He writes this. He says, we proclaim him. Now, I'm going to pause right there because I just want to remind you that everything that we do rises and falls on Jesus. Our primary responsibility as a church, and this, uh, as, as the people of God, this is our responsibility to first and foremost, we proclaim Jesus in everything that we do, in everything that we say, we proclaim him. Paul goes on, admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. Now, the, the original word that is used here and is, is translated in, in this case as complete is, is a Greek word. It's the word teleos, which is a word that uh, it means finished, it means um, mature. It, it carries with it this idea of complete growth of both mental and moral character. And so Paul says, for that purpose, in order to present every single person complete, mature, uh, and complete in growth of both mental and moral character, he says, I also labor, striving according to his power, which, which works mightily within me. I love what Paul does here in these two short verses because what he does is he really just kind of lays out for us what should be the primary goal of every church and of every pastor, every minister. Paul says that what we labor for, first and foremost, is to proclaim Jesus, to announce or declare the good news of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so number one, he says, we, uh, our job is to introduce people to Jesus. But then he says, we don't stop there. He says, then our job is to help them grow into spiritually mature followers of Jesus. I want each and every one of you to understand this morning that God's goal for your life is spiritual maturity. His goal for you is not perfect church attendance. It's not Bible verse memorization. It's not perfect performance. His goal for each and every one of us is simply spiritual maturity. We, we, we could say it like this. What he, what he really wants is to simply produce in the life of every single believer the mature character of his son, Jesus. Christ-likeness, that's the goal, that's the target. And so Paul says, that's what I labor for. What I put in all this hard work for, he says, the reason, if you, if you go into other places, he'll tell you what he's been through in order to accomplish this. He says, the reason that I've been beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and I've been thrown in prison and left for dead is because it is my desire, it is my call, it is my mandate to help you grow spiritually, to just become more like Jesus. 
I, I think it's safe to say that Paul really believed that spiritual growth is kind of important. Salvation is important, but that's just the first step. It's important because every journey has to begin with the first step. However, if all we do is simply take the first step and then we park ourselves there, then we're not going to get very far, are we? I've said this before, but, but, but growth is important because growth uh, it, it signifies life. We, we, we know that, that all healthy things grow. In fact, one of, the, one of the ways that we know that something is unhealthy is, is when it doesn't grow. Laura and I, <clears throat> I don't know what's, what's wrong with us, but uh, we, we cannot grow anything. Um, in fact, we have this unique talent of, of killing plants. Our house is the place where plants go to die. We, we've, we've had people give us beautiful, beautiful plants before, and after a week in our care, man, the, the leaves are all wilty, and the flowers are falling off, and, and the leaves are all shriveling up, and, 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 and it's just a disaster. I mean, we can kill it, man. We can't, we can't grow up. We can kill it. A few years ago, we were living in the Parsonage. I get my directions uh, right over here on South Street. And uh, I decided, one day I decided to buy these beautiful um, hanging pots that have these really gorgeous flowers in them. I have no idea what kind of flowers they were. They were just, they were flowers is what they were. Um, that's the extent of my knowledge. That might be part of the problem there. But uh, anyway... I determined that I was going to take care of these flowers. I spent some money on them. I mean, they were big pots. They were beautiful. And I thought, man, these will look gorgeous hanging out over the porch. And, and so I, I was determined. I'm going to take care of these. And so I watered them. I bought one of those fancy little shower water things that the professionals use, you know, that just kind of nice shower of water. Because, darling, you don't want to use like what I washed the car with. It just, that'll kill them right away. I learned that the hard way. Uh, but, but I mean, I bought this thing and it just beautiful water. I bought miracle grow because I knew I was going to need a miracle if these things were going to grow. And, um, and they, that, there was false advertising because within a week, all of the flowers, like had, the flower part had fallen off all the pretty part. And, and it, they, they all look sick. And so I, I asked them, what in the world did I do? Somebody told me I overwatered it. Somebody else told me I didn't water it enough. Uh, we didn't know what we did. All we knew was that these plants were not healthy. Why? Because they weren't growing. See, see all healthy things grow. And, and what's true of plants is also true of people. In fact, one of the ways that you know, we uh, pediatricians will tell whether a baby is healthy or not. You take them in for their six-month checkup, their year checkup, whatever. What do they do? They measure the baby, right? How, how many inches long is it? How much does it weigh? Uh, what percentile does it fall within? And, and pediatricians know that if the baby is not growing, then there is something wrong. That it's not healthy. You see, what I'm trying to help you understand this morning is that what is true of everything physically is just as true spiritually. There's, there's a reason why 
When, when we begin a relationship with Jesus, it's often referred to as being born again. Whenever we take that step of faith and invite Jesus to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, and we begin a relationship with him, it's, it's like we've been given this brand new life. We're going to do baptism here in a couple of weeks. And one of my favorite things to do is baptism. And there's so much symbolism in baptism in that the, the, the going down in the water and coming up is this representation of this new life that has begun. That, that we're dead to ourselves. We're alive in Christ. It's brand new. It's fresh. Everything that's in the past has been washed away. And behold, everything is new. So, so there's this idea of being kind of reborn, this brand new life. It's, a, it's this wonderful experience where we've been given that. But, but just like physical babies, we are not intended to stay in that infant state. If as followers of Jesus, we never grow from baby Christians into toddler Christians, into teenage Christians, and eventually into mature disciples, then there is something wrong spiritually with us. But this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He, he writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, we're not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind and teaching and jockeying of men. You, when, when children are small, they'll believe anything, right? And, and, and Paul says, we're not, to, we're not meant to stay in that state that as we grow, we grow in wisdom and discernment and we're able to discern what is true and what is right and what is not right. Paul says, we're not meant to stay as children. He says, but we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up in every way into Christ the head. Again, becoming more like Jesus. Paul says we're meant to grow. We're, we're meant to keep moving forward and mature in our faith. And I just want you to know this morning that this is my prayer for each and every person in this room, for everyone who's joining us online this morning. My prayer is that just as you age physically, that you would also age spiritually, that you would mature in your faith. If, if you're here this morning and, and, and you know, the, the, you're, you've been walking with Jesus for years, my, my prayer for you is that you would continue to grow. We're never meant to stop growing. If, if, if you're here and, and maybe this whole thing is brand new to you, maybe you were one of the 10 who made a first-time commitment within the past two weeks to take that step of faith and invite Jesus in your life. So maybe you're a week-old or a two-week-old Christian. My prayer for you is you don't stay there, that you continue to grow and grow even more. This is what we're intended to do. And so I want to get really practical this morning and just kind of talk about how do we do that? How do we make sure that next month, next year, we're more mature spiritually than we are right now? I'm going to give you um, four ideas or habits that, that I believe if you'll put into practice, they will help you to grow spiritually. But before we do that, I want to just kind of debunk a few myths surrounding spiritual growth. 
some, some false ideas. There are some false ideas that kind of float around sometimes that unfortunately I've seen people embrace as truth that wind up really leading to discouragement and defeat rather than growth. And so I wanna, I wanna deal with those this morning. And, and maybe there are some in this room who will identify with one or two of these. The, the first myth about spiritual growth is this, and that is that spiritual growth is instantaneous. That, that you know, you just, you come to Jesus and boom, you're automatically spiritually mature. You're, you're a mature believer. You, you come to Jesus, and in that moment, all of a sudden, you think different, you act different, you win every battle you fight. Wouldn't that be nice? In Philippians 3, Paul says this about himself. Now, this is Paul. This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. This is the missionary Paul who planted church after church after church. I mean, this is a giant in the faith. And Paul says this about himself. He's just earlier in the chapter, he has laid out some spiritual truth, and he says this. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, guys, what you need to understand is I'm still in process. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I haven't, I haven't arrived yet. You, you see, growth is a process. I, I'm going I'm to give you some like earth-shattering news here, but babies, newborn babies, don't come out of the womb knowing how to drive cars. Logan, write that down. <laughs> That's an important one. They got to learn, right? Ba ba babies, the babies don't come out of the womb knowing how to do taxes. It, it, it's something we, we, we got to understand. These are things that we, we grow into over time. Growth is a process that takes time. We learn as we develop. Well, one of the things that has always frustrated me in the church is that this, this kind of goes both ways. Not only do sometimes uh, new believers get frustrated because they think, you know, once I give my life to Jesus, then it's going to be all sunshine and roses and, you know, I'm going to be perfect and I'm not going to have any battles anymore. And they get frustrated. But sometimes the flip side of that Christians in the church sometimes believe or act like somebody who just gave their life to Jesus ought to act like they've been walking with him for 40 years. And what's even more frustrating than that is that people who have been following Jesus for 40 years, they give them a free pass when they don't act like they've been following Jesus for 40 years. The, the people that Jesus confronted when he came were the religious hypocrites. That's what, that's what just just bothered Jesus more than anything. It, the, the, the people who this whole thing was brand new, he had grace and compassion for. He understood that there was a process that took time. Growth takes time. The, the reality is there, is there is no magic pill that will instantly turn you into a mature follower of Jesus. The, the, the reality is that just like 
physical growth takes time. Spiritual growth, it's not instantaneous, it's incremental. It takes some time. The, the second myth is that spiritual growth is linear. Now, now what I, I mean by that is the belief that um, it's just a nice, clean, straight line. Always up and to the right. Nice and clean. Always, always moving forward. Wouldn't that be nice? The, the reality is that more often than not, growth is messy. It really is. Now, now I don't necessarily like this, but, but oftentimes, growth actually involves failure, learning from our failures. Peter's a great example of this. I mean, here, here's Peter. This is the guy who's been following Jesus. He's been with Jesus. He's been learning from Jesus. He's been growing in this relationship with Jesus. And, and there comes a point in time, Jesus tells him, he says, hey, Pete, things are going to get rough. There, there are some things that are going to happen that you're not going to understand, and things are about to take a left turn. And, and Peter's like, Jesus, you can count on me, man. If that happens, I would do anything for you. I won't let you down. I won't fail you. Man, I would die for you, Jesus. Jesus gets arrested. And what's Peter do? He runs. He, he, he denies the fact that he even knows Jesus. And thankfully, because of the grace of Jesus, he's not done with Peter. After the resurrection, Jesus specifically seeks out Peter, and eventually, Peter becomes the head of the church. I, I'm blown away by when we were in Israel. I've, I've shared this before, but uh, when we were in Israel, we went to the place that was Caiaphas's house where Peter denied Jesus three times. And I mean, it's, it's maybe a hundred yards from Caiaphas' ha house where, where Peter denies Jesus to a little uh, servant girl to the place where he's standing in front of thousands of people proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah and y'all killed him. I mean, there's this incredible growth that took place, but it was messy in between. Growth oftentimes is, is, is messy. I love Proverbs 24, 16. It says this, the writer of Proverbs says, although a righteous person may fall seven times, he gets back up again. See, see the truth is growth, uh, growth can be messy. And, and any kind of learning, oftentimes it involves trial and error and failure. You probably heard this saying before, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. I don't believe that that's the case. I, I would say a better saying is sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. The only way you lose is if you don't learn anything from your failure. And so we, we've been designed to learn. Some people try and make Jesus, or following Jesus, about, you know, it's, it's, it's perfect performance, when the reality is following Jesus is simply about perfect love. See, see, perfect love is when we're so committed to Jesus, 
that if we do falter and fail because of our humanity, because we're in relationship with him and because we love him, we hear his voice of correction and because of the perfect love that we have, we're quick to confess and repent and respond. And then we learn from the mistakes that we've made. A righteous man gets up and keeps going. The, The third myth is this is that spiritual growth is personal. And we addressed this one quite a bit around here, and we talked in depth about it last week. But, but following Jesus is not something that was ever intended to be done in isolation. You need other people in your life. There, there are a bunch of other religions that teach you that, that the way to become spiritual is to isolate yourself from everybody else. The, the, there, there are religions that believe that the holiest of people are those who, you know, isolate themselves in monasteries or up on a mountain or in a cave somewhere. They're, they're the guru or the monk or the shaman who, who says, I, I've got to be in this place all by myself because I don't want to get infected by other people. The, the holiest people in, in the, some of these religions, it's, it's about I'm going to isolate myself from society. The problem with that is that's not what Jesus taught. See, see, the most holy person who ever lived was Jesus. And none of the other religious folks could understand Jesus because Jesus, instead of isolating himself, Jesus was always at the parties. I mean, Jesus was always in the marketplace. He was always surrounding himself with people. And Jesus, he hung out with people that none of them would be willing to hang out with. It was all for him about being with people. Why? Because you can't truly love by yourself. If if part of our our call, if the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you gotta be around your neighbor to love your neighbor. We have to be around other people in order to love other people. And so the truth is that growth happens in the context of community. There's something about when we align ourselves with other people and we allow other people into our lives to encourage us, to challenge us, to pray for us, to, 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 to teach us, to help us grow. Man, we need other people. We're, we're better together, right? Spiritual growth doesn't happen. It's not just personal. It's not just in isolation. Number four is that this belief or this myth that spiritual growth, it just kind of happens. Kind of by osmosis or something like that. It's just, you know, it, it's just automatic. Listen, here's the sad reality is that it is very possible, and unfortunately, not only is this possible, it happens quite frequently, but but it is possible for us to grow older without truly growing up. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you can grow old without growing more mature. Wives, don't look at your husbands right now. This is not a good time to do that. But you can grow older and not grow 
more mature. There are a lot of people who grow old and are still immature physically, emotionally, and spiritually. See, see, what I'm trying to help you understand is that growth doesn't happen just by putting your butt in the seat. Gro- growth doesn't happen just by coming to church. If the only time, listen, if you only eat once a week, you're not going to grow physically. If you only eat once a week spiritually, you're not going to grow spiritually. And if the only bread that you receive is secondhand, something that somebody else received, you're not going to grow spiritually. We need to eat daily. And we need a connection daily. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like local news, national news. I mean, national news is what we get on Sunday. I'm, national news is the general stuff. It's what's, what's happened out there. It's all the stuff that is taking place generally out there. That's, that's na- what I give you on Sunday is national news. But j- local news is how does it pertain to my life personally? How does this impact my decisions daily? We, we need local news, and the only way to get local news is we got to tune into a new channel. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? See, growth just doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It's, it, it happens because we're intentional about it, and it happens because we invest in it. And so if that's true... What are some ways that we can personally invest in our own spiritual growth? I'm going to give you four. I encourage you, you might want to write these down, but I'm going to just tell you right up front that what I'm going to share with you, it's not rocket science, okay? It's not, it's it's probably not even something new that you haven't heard before. But that's not bad news, that's good news, because what that means is it's not rocket science, so it doesn't mean that it's over any of our heads or, or beyond any of our capability, that this is something that we can, we can all do. It's pretty basic stuff. The challenge for most of us is not that we don't know what to do. The challenge for most of us is simply to do what we know we ought to do. Every once in a while, we need to be reminded. So I'm going to give you four words that if you'll commit yourself to these four things, I promise you that you'll continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. Here are the four words. Some of you might want to write these down. But the four words are this. Connect, converse, commune, contribute. Connect, converse, commune, contribute. Let's break these down a little bit. Connect. We need to daily connect with the word of God. On a daily basis. If you're serious about growing spiritually, one of the best ways that you can do that is simply by developing a daily habit of encountering God through his word. Maybe you're here this morning and this whole thing is brand new to you and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. Hey, we want to help you with that. First of all, if you're here and you don't have a Bible, we'll solve that. 
Stop by the next steps table in front of the you belong here wall. We've got a Bible that we will give to you. We want to give you a Bible and get God's words in your hands. So we'll get you a Bible. If the Bible is, is new to you and you don't know where to start, we can help you with that too. First of all, let me tell you this. The Bible is a strange book because don't start in the beginning. All right? You'll read through Genesis. You know, the Bible is actually a compilation of many books. It's one book with a bunch of books in it. You'll start out in Genesis, and it'll make sense. And man, by the time you get to Leviticus and Numbers, you'll be like, I have no idea what I'm reading here. <laughs> so, so don't do that. There's a couple of things you could do. One, the Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant. It's the, it's the first part of the book. The New Testament is the last half of the book. But, but start in the New Testament with the Gospels, the first four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The reason I say start there is because that's all about Jesus. It'll just help you get acquainted with Jesus. So, so just start there. And, and I would encourage you, I still do this, is that there are times where I will read either a book or a series of books like that and just I'll read it and then I'll read it again and then I'll read it again and then I'll read it again. Because every time I read it, I'll get something new out of it. And so you, you can do that. The second thing that you can do, and one of the things that we have created to help you is, again, back on the next steps table in front of the You Belong Here wall, pick up, uh, we've got a little flyer called a soap guide. And, and grab one of those. Soap is, is simply something that stands for scripture, observation, application, prayer. And on these soap guides, we, we put these out monthly, there are 20 different short scripture passages for each month, and we did 20 on purpose, not because we didn't know there, there are 28 to 31 days in, in a month, but we did 20 because we knew that you'd probably miss a day. And then most people, they miss a couple days, they're like, I'm behind, and they throw the test. So you can miss a couple days, and you can still be on track. And so there's, there's 20 different short passages of scripture and you can read these, and then it's really simple. It's meant to be almost like a journaling exercise. You, you read the scripture, you make observations. This is what I see happening in the scripture. And then you ask God to help you. How does this apply to my life? How, how does this apply? And then you pray. God, this is what I read. This is how I feel like it applies to my life. And would you help me this week? Would you help me today to live that out? Really a simple little practice that will help you engage with God's word. Now, I want to say this. There may be times when you read something and you walk away from what you read and you're like, yeah, I got nothing. I mean, that didn't speak to me at all. I don't, I, I, there was no like lights and flashes and voices. There was no, I got nothing. F false. You got something even when you didn't know you got something. See, see there, there's something about the word of God that it says when we'll take it and we'll hide it in our heart. And the way we hide it in our heart is just by reading it, engaging with it. That when we hide it in our heart, you, you may not get the benefit from it in that moment, but four months down the road, you encounter a situation, and because you hid that scripture in your heart, 
all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will bring it to memory and make it come alive, and it'll be the very thing that you needed in that moment, but you wouldn't have it if you hadn't hit it. There's, there's always something that happens when we hide his word in our hearts. The, the second habit in growing spiritually is, is converse with God in prayer. Not, not, not only do we want to connect with him through his word, but we want to converse with him through prayer. Listen, every single relationship requires communication in order for the relationship to grow. This is why prayer is so important. And I don't know what it is about prayer, but I know that this is true, that there's probably nothing more intimidating for a new believer than, than prayer. I think the reason why is because we have to remember there is a spiritual battle that takes place, and we have an enemy of our souls, and the last thing that he wants us to do is to pray. Because prayer is where the answers come from. Prayer is where we connect with God. And so I know it's intimidating and it's difficult to get people to do this, but I really want to encourage you. First of all, understand this. None of us are experts when it comes to prayer. I'm not an expert in prayer. I'm still learning how to pray. I'm still growing. We, we continue, remember? Healthy things continue to grow. And so this is an area that we grow in. And so nobody's an expert in prayer. We're all learning and we're all growing. And one of the best ways to develop any skill, and this is true of the skill of praying, is, is the best way to develop it is simply by doing it, practicing it, trying it. And so again, let me, let me just give you a couple of suggestions, okay? Um, guys, this is for the men. This Wednesday, here at the church, there's a group of guys who are going to gather together to pray. If you're a man, you're invited. You can come pray. One of the great ways to learn how to pray is by observing how other people pray. And, and it's not a competition. It's not like, okay, man, he pray, I got to outdo, no. Prayer is just simply conversation with God. And if you don't feel comfortable praying in that setting, you don't have to pray out loud. But just come and, and hear other people pray. C coming up in a couple of weeks, Drew mentioned this in an announcement. We're actually going to gather together and pray all night long. Yeah. Some of you are excited. The rest of you look like, like how in the world are you going to do that? I mean, the thought of that is so intimidating that you could pray. Listen, anybody, we've, we've done this a couple of other times, and you talk to anybody who's been through it, they would tell you the night flies by. I mean, we've got it broken up into segments that we lead you through, and the night flies by, and you talk to anybody who's done, every time we've done this, immediately after we concluded, people have come up and said, when can we do this again? Because it's so impactful and so meaningful. So I encourage you, come, come join us, come check it out. The, the other thing is you could do ev the first Wednesday of every month, we do this thing we call First Wednesday Worship and Prayer. We just meet here in this space at 7 p.m. just for an hour, and we spend some time singing songs and worshiping like we did this morning, and then we spend some time in prayer. And one of the cool things about that environment is I think I say this almost every time we gather together, but my intent for that is to be kind of like a laboratory. 
is that, again, it's a learning environment. And so what we try and do is we try and, and, and expose you to different ways of praying. Because we all, we all fall into the trap that we kind of pigeonhole that this is what prayer is. And we get locked into this one thing and it becomes redundant and boring. And let's just be honest. But, but this is a learning experience. So I would encourage you to come and participate in that. That's a great opportunity to develop this, this, this discipline in your life. To learn how to pray from other people. The, the third habit for spiritual growth is to uh, commune with other believers. Commune with other believers. I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but all of us are influenced by the people that we spend the most of our time with. In fact, I, I, I gave this quote from Jim Rohn that he, he once famously declared that you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. This is why one of the most powerful things we can do to grow spiritually is to intentionally invest in relationships with people who are mature spiritually. Hang out with people that you wanna be like. Spend time with people that, that you, you, wanna, you wanna be like. When you see and you look at their relationship with Christ, you're like, man, that's the kind of relationship that I wanna have. Invest and hang out with those kind of relationships. We, we talk about this all the time, that, that following Jesus was never meant to be a solo sport. It's always been intended to be lived out in the context of community. We really do need each other. There's a reason why when you read through the New Testament, there are so many verses that include the phrase, one another. That there, are, there are actually 59 one another verses in the New Testament alone that, that they're all linked to a command of how we're meant to do life with each other. We're, we're commanded to do things like encourage one another. Love one another, be devoted to one another, accept one another, serve one another, forgive one another, teach one another, comfort one another, pray for one another, and on and on and on. Some have called this the ministry of the body unto itself. Now the Bible has another name for it. In the Bible, it's, it's simply called discipleship. Now I, I've thought a lot about this, long and hard, and I'm afraid that, that one of the mistakes that the modern church has made, I believe this is unintentional, but, but one of the mistakes that the modern church has made as we've, we've thought about discipleship is we've shifted the model from it just being a lifestyle that we live into something that we think we have to program. That, that when we think of discipleship, we tend to think of um, a class setting, that, that we're going to gather together in this class. There's going to be a talking head that's kind of the expert. And, and they're going to teach a Bible study or teach a class. Now, I'm for all of those things. I think those are wonderful things. I'm for them. But discipleship at its core was meant to be something that we live out in the context of just doing life together. In our coming and in our going. 
as we, as we associate with one another and we invest in each other's lives and, and as we just kind of do life together, then it's where we get to live out all those one another's that we, we encourage one another and we challenge one another and we pray for one another. We bear each other's burdens. We cry with each other. It, it's in this context of just doing life together. I'm telling you, if you really want to go, Take some time to invest in the relationships with other believers. There, there's something that happens, man, when you just say, hey, I, I just, let's, let's just hang out. Come over to my house. We're going to have dinner. Too. Remember, remember like in the old days when people used to have people over to their house for dinner? Remember that? Remember that, Brian? Go, go, to, the, go to the, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. Let's, let's. How about this one? Let's go fishing. <laughs> Paul, you, man, I, I think there's discipleship. Some of, the, some of the places where I have grown the most and been discipled the most, that's where I'm going next, Dane, is on the golf course or in a boat fishing with somebody. Man, I'm telling you, it's just doing life together. You want to grow, open your life up to somebody. Invest in other people. Last one. Contribute to the body. Now, now I was just going to say serve on this one, but serve wasn't a, it could, you don't spell it with a C, so it didn't fit, Brett. So contribute to the body. We're not going to spend a, a lot of time on this one because actually next week we're going to spend the entire morning talking about this. But, but I will just say this. Don't ask me to explain it because I can't. But there is something supernatural that happens in the area of spiritual growth that only happens when we give ourselves away in service. I, I can't explain it. I can't, I can't sit down and tell you, hey, this, it's, it's supernatural. There, there's a way that God grows us that can only happen when we get outside of ourselves and we give ourselves away. When we take the, the talents and the abilities and the passions, the stuff that God has put in us, and when we leverage that for the sake of just giving it away and we, we co-labor together as the body, because nobody, no one person can do it all. But when we, we join together and we say, you know what, I'm going to lock arms with you as a church and I'm going I'm to jump in and I'm going to find a place to serve, I'm telling you, not only does it benefit the body, but there's something supernatural that happens where it's like, it, 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 it's almost like spiritual steroids where there's this growth that just happens because of our willingness. And you, you know what? I said I won't, I won't tell you. Maybe I should save this for next week. I'll steal on my thunder. But no, I'm going I'm to say this. I think one of the big reasons why, and we will talk more about this next week, but there is a never a time. If our target is Jesus, there is never a time that we're more like Jesus than when we serve. I think Jesus just loves that. And I think he rewards it. 
My, my, my prayer for each and every one of us this morning is that as we move forward, that we wouldn't stay where we're at. We say this all the time around here, that Jesus loves you right where you're at. There's no way that he could love you any more than he loves you right now. There's nothing that you could do to cause him to love you any less than he loves you right now. But because he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants you to continue to grow. And so I I encourage you this morning, connect, converse, commune, contribute. And see what happens. In fact, here's here's what I want to do as we wrap things up this morning. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're not going to take a long time here. But, But I just want to invite you to just do a little business just between you and God. And just pray this simple prayer. Make this prayer your own. Just God, how do you want me to respond to what I've heard today? What what is it that you want me to intentionally invest in in order to draw me closer to you, to make me more like you? How how do you want to grow me? What do you want me to do? Maybe maybe for some here this morning, it's just simply commit. I'm going to take, man, you, you could do the soap guide in 10, 15 minutes a morning. I'm just going to spend 10, 15 minutes. I'm just going to start out. This is new to me. It's foreign, but I'm going to jump in. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to spend some time connecting with you through your word. Or or I'm going to maybe, what you're calling me to do is I'm going to carve out some time every day, not just God bless this food to my body today. I'm just going to spend a few minutes before I launch into my day just touching base with you, connecting with you. God, what do you want to do in my heart, in my life today? Is there anything that you want to say to me? Is there anything that you want me to know? Is there anything that you want to challenge me on or require me? Just connect with him, converse with him in prayer. Maybe for some it's, you know, I really, I really need somebody to disciple me. And, and so maybe it's that commune piece that I'm just going to be intentional about calling somebody this week Let's grab coffee. Let's hang out. Come over to our house. Let's have dinner. Let's just invest in relationship. There may be some here that really the next step is you just need to find a place to serve. We'll help you do that. God, what is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to respond today? And I encourage you, whatever he lays upon your heart, just do that thing. See, because one of the hindrances of growth is disobedience. When God challenges us or calls us to move in a certain area and we refuse, man, that, that'll, that'll kill things quicker than anything. And so, Father, my prayer for each and every person here this morning, I pray this for myself, is that you would continue to grow us into your likeness, Jesus. We want to be more like you we, we, we want to continue to be able to, to grow up in our faith, to, to know you better, to, to love you on a deeper level, to reflect your image in a world that desperately needs to know you. So my prayer is that would you help us to do that, help us to grow up in you. We pray this today in Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today, and we'll see you next week.